I'm Maddie Johansson, and this is Alter Everything, a podcast about data science and analytics culture. It's been a while since I've been your host, and I'm excited to share this one with you. In today's episode, you'll hear a conversation I had with Manuel Cuello, Senior Director of Data Analytics at CBS Health. In the conversations I had with him leading up to our actual interview, I knew he was a treasure trove of information about analytics transformation and positive team dynamics. So once we actually recorded, the episode turned out to be the perfect toolkit for data enthusiasts to share with their teams. Manuel includes tips on what skills to focus on when you're trying to demonstrate value to your organization, unique ways to engage your team, and how to get sponsorship for your analytics initiatives. I hope you're able to gain as many takeaways from this episode as I did. It was a lot of fun chatting with him. Let's get started. First of all, thank you for having me. As you know, my name is Manuel Coelho, born and raised in Mexico, as you can tell by my accent. <laughs> and analytics was pretty much the, the, the key for me to come to the United States about 20 plus years ago. Uh, one of the Fortune 500s were looking for somebody to, that can initiate the analytics department. Imagine that, 20 years ago. And they found me down there, so I came here and has been a little over four, uh, 20 years in, in the analytics space. That's amazing. Yeah, 20 years. That's, that's well, really cool. You know, I don't know if it's an advantage or disadvantage. You know, I think it, it is a advantage, but at, at times I feel this, it is a disadvantage because you have to unlearn some of the old techniques and old applications uh, and trying to learn the new things, right? And things are changing and evolving so rapidly. I really enjoy speaking with people who have been in the industry for a while. And Alan Jacobson, friend of the podcast and Alteryx's chief data and analytics officer, had a similar experience to Manuel's when he started his career. And he shared some memories on a recent interview with Federal News Network. I really do believe these are the early innings. If you if you really look over, over really what's been a short time period, I, if I rewind to when I started in my career, I think back to the computer that was on my desk. I think it was a Pentium 2. How many of your listeners remember those? Um, it, it had a clock speed measured in megahertz. It had a single chip. It was not very fast. And I compare that to my machine today, which is probably the equivalent of a supercomputer from back when I started my career. And it's now measured in gigahertz. It has eight cores. It has a GPU on top of CPUs. You can hear more of Alan's interview linked in our show notes. And things are changing and evolving so rapidly that trying to be relevant, uh, you know, every year, it is a challenge. Uh, and it's something that we all need to continue to, to evolve into whatever is next. Interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, glad, you, I'm glad you brought that up because I would like to dive into what it means to build that digital workforce um, and what that might mean for analysts. So in your time in the analytics space, um, have you seen analytics always as this cornerstone or this foundation for building the digital workforce? Or is that something that has happened more kind of recently? I think it has happened maybe over the last five years and, of course, the last two years even uh, with more intensity. And the previous formula was data analytics, right? It was data plus analytics, right? And just using those two segments, you ended up with whatever... whatever um, project or analysis that you were doing, right? And there were like two different components that were added uh, pretty much in the last five years. You can, people can argue that has been there uh, for longer. Uh, And those two other components are the RPA, the Robotics Process Automation, 
as well as artificial intelligence, right? Ooh, hold on a second. What was RPA and what's artificial intelligence and what even is analytics? Manuel, please help. Uh, so let me give you my own definition. You know, the textbook may be a little different. Yeah. And this definition has evolved as, as we continue our journey. Uh, but for me, analytics is having the ability and the creativity to get relevant data so you can perform intelligent and meaningful summarizations that can generate value. And that, for me, is the most important part of the equation. Can you do something with purpose, on purpose, to generate value? In the question for the RPA, and that has been revolutionary since many uh, new tools have entered the market that are more affordable and they're easy to use. And now we are not just uh, limited in the physical, in the digital world, which is only, only in, the, in, the, in the data, but also we can do things that manually through robotics, right? One example is now, uh, you know, historically you have to manually log in into a system to trying to trace some information and, and get like an invoice, for instance, right? Uh, now we can just have a robotic express automation that can do that for us, has their own uh, employee ID, has their own system access, and, and we can just easily instruct that person, in this case, the digital workforce or the, ro uh, or the robot, to log in and get us the information that we need that we can incorporate later on in, into the, the analysis that we're trying to do. And artificial intelligence, that's the, the perhaps the, the most difficult piece to incorporate into the equation, right? How can we partner with machines for them to do the, the work that we always do, right? We can do things in a natural intelligence, but how can we do in an artificial intelligence environment? So how can we give the, the machine all the inputs that they need uh, so they can start creating uh, conclusions or, or, or decisions that only a person can do. So that's always a challenge. Got it. So Manuel was just saying that back in the day, the formula pretty much consisted of data plus analytics, and that's it. So now there's been a transformation by incorporating more advanced processes and technologies. And it has been an, an explosion in, in products and, and tools, and now they are more economical, that people can, can really acquire them and implement them or the company has been already purchased and you can leverage the, the, the investment from other departments. And the digital workforce is something that has been very close to my heart for, for many years. Uh, and the whole concept is, can we create a digital workforce that can perform some of the work that we do? And it is definitely a, a very ambitious goal, especially when you are trying to teach a machine to do the work that, that we do, you know, in order to connect in the dots, have the critical thinking, having uh, uh, all these exploratory capabilities in order to achieve something. That's always been a, a, a fascination for me. What do you think the state is of these businesses really leveraging AI, RPA, and analytics to really drive that value? So as you know, uh, I specialize in, in audit analytics and internal audit. Mm -hmm. And right now, currently, I work in CVS Health. And previously, I worked in other Fortune 500s. And of course, I interact just uh, with many other organizations, at least in my area. And one conclusion that I have is there's a lot of ignorance about technology. And by that, I mean people are ignoring the benefits of, of, of technology. It's not like they don't know. They are really smart. They are, they're incredibly smart. 
but they are neglecting. They are just ignoring the the benefits and the transformat and the transformation that they can they can occur in their jobs just by implementing some new techniques. And and that's kind of it, it is sad. Now uh, there is people that are kind of leveraging. You know, they have the resources, they have the sponsorship, uh, and and they have the skills, and they are going really really fast. And one of the things is because they have to, you know, in order to be competitive, in order to really to do things uh, in a more meaningful way, they have to evolve into a more technological way. You know, something very interesting. Uh, you know, I have a 16-year-old soccer player in, in the family, uh, and he his team is using analytics to win. So imagine that, a nonprofit organization, little club here in Connecticut, and they actually analyze uh, the video. From the video, they extract all the plays, and they know exactly... What are the strengths? What are, what are the weaknesses? They have like a heat map where every 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 player is throughout the, the game, and and based on that they create the the training session. It's just fascinating how everyone is using analytics for their own purpose to be more effective and create more value. Wow. That's amazing. Um, that's really interesting. Personal anecdote, my dad is a high school basketball coach and has been for the past 20 years, and he uses a similar technology to analyze his game film. I remember growing up when he and his coaches would have to spend all this extra time looking over film and manually marking on paper where players were shooting from and what their shooting average was. I mean, they'd have to have different symbols for, you know, if somebody took a shot and they made it or if they took a shot and missed. Um, you know, super complicated, but now it's all done for him, which is pretty sweet. What are the skills that you look for from the members of your team? Oh, good question. Well, the, the first one is uh, intellectual curiosity. You know, you have to be curious, right? If you're not curious, I don't think you shouldn't be an analytic, <laughs> right? If you don't, you don't have the thrill of digging into the data, you know, the self-exploration, the discovery approach, and, and be curious of why things happen, you may not belong in analytics. Oh, by the way, if I can share my story, how I ended up mm -hmm. in analytics, happens uh, in, in, pretty much in the beginning of my career. I, I was working in Ernst Young, and I noticed one new person uh, in the office. So being the curious guy that I am, I kind of... Uh, I kind of, kind of approach this person and I introduce myself and my name is, is Manuel Coelho and he introduced himself and I say, oh, you are new, right? So yeah, I'm coming from this office and one of the things that I specialize, I mean, I, again, this is like 20 plus years ago, he says in analytics and I said, oh, what is that? You know, I was out of college, analytics wasn't that big back then and he said, and he said well, look at this, in this case it was uh, one of the audit tools uh, for analytics and he clicked a button, and suddenly uh, a beautiful uh, visual came up. And he said, see, these are liars. You can see, and he was showing me uh, what is called the Benford Law. And the Benford Law analyzes the frequency of, of the first digits of, of the numbers, and, and based on the patterns, identifies some of the outliers. So that, for me, was the perhaps the revolving door that kind of brought me through analytics. I realized that to the push of the button, you can create some models that can give you the answer right up front without you doing uh, extensive work. That for me was incredible. So after that, I, I just tag along this guy forever. Uh, he pretty much was my mentor. And since then I have been doing analytics, right? So being curious 
going back to the original mm-hmm. question, I think that's perhaps the 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 first I'm looking for in employee. You know, have the curiosity to do it. The second one, the can do attitude. You know, hey, everything that we do is difficult. Everything is we're going to have challenging challenges, pretty much in everything. In everything that we do, we don't do easy. We do difficult. Every, all the projects that we do are are difficult. They are easy. We we typically deny them, uh, decline them, and ask the, the users to do it themselves. So everything we do is, is, is very complex, right? And having the can-do attitude, whatever it takes to do it, that is very important, right? The third one, having the, the cultural fit, you know, somebody that enjoys analytics and collaborates, you know, and kind of open to the diversity of thoughts. And uh, using my team, we're about 14 people, uh, 10 here in, in, in Hartford, Connecticut, and four in India, and we get along very well, and we are very different. I always call uh, a nice dysfunctional family. <laughs> you know, different backgrounds. Some are math backgrounds, economic backgrounds. We have a bunch of CPAs. So we have uh, di- different ages. Some people are out of school. Some people already have um, plus ten plus years in in, in the industry. So it, it is amazing how how nicely we complement each other right so somebody that plays nice that is open to 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 points of view that for me is, is very important right and and the fourth one is having the speed everything that we do is in a is in a timeline so having that kind of aggressiveness being hostile to some of the tasks that is very important for us somebody that is very focused that, that can escalate things quickly that can collaborate early on uh, and, and finally, of course, create value, understand why we do things. That's great. So, you know, you mentioned your kind of dysfunctional family. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what are some tips that you have for creating that kind of environment, especially because you mentioned that you have people all the way in India and Connecticut? How do you kind of bring those together and create this really warm and exciting and collaborative environment for your team? Good question. You know, uh, as you know, the the Agile methodology came up maybe in the last 10 years, you know, and when people work in a more Agile way, it's not the the kind of old waterfall that you have a project plan and people start working independently in their own task and then somebody puts that together. Mm -hmm. Now with the Agile, we meet every day, every day. So we have a scrum meeting. Everyone knows what they finished the, the previous day. Everyone knows what they need to do that day. We had a FaceTime, that kind of feel-good time, and then people go there. And throughout the day, we we really don't talk too much by phone or, or through emails. We just kind of tap each other on the shoulder and start running ideas by each other, you know, having that kind of fun environment, that kind of supportive um, uh, approach is just, just really nice. And, of course, the culture is a... If we win, we win as a team. If we lose, we lose as a team. The blame is shared. It's not one person. And having kind of that team environment, you know, is just a, a fascinating way that people can can really relate, you know, being part of the team, being trying to do something uh, kind of bigger than themselves. Uh, that is perhaps one of the things. The other things, uh, every year in December, uh, we get together and we decide our destiny for next year. So every year we cannot sit together. It's okay, guys, this is what we accomplished this year. Good job. What are we going to accomplish together next year? So everyone is part of the vision uh, uh, of the year. Um, 
and we brainstorm, you know, for hours. And people uh, start kind of saying things that, that we should do next, things that they hate that we should stop doing, uh, and and people are, and people kind of uh, bring what they want to do for next year. And I take all the ideas and I put one page, one PowerPoint presentation, like one page that shows all the imperatives. Hey, this year, this is what we're going to focus on. And then we put our um, all the plan together, right? And this is this is our our how we're going to accomplish that. And from there, we we create the objectives. So now everyone knows uh, the expectations for next year, and and we just keep reminding ourselves, okay, this is what we're going to accomplish this year. This is how we're going to uh, accomplish. This is our our playbook, and everyone knows how are we going to do it, right? So the digital workforce was one of those six imperatives and everyone knew, you know, their role on, on that goal. It sounds like quite a culture to be a part of. It sounds really fun, engaging and fulfilling too, you know, being able to have a say in what you want your destiny to be for the next year at work sounds incredible. So when you talk about different departments in organizations being more skilled than others in analytics and, you know, being advanced with these sorts of technologies. What are some tips or, you know, some skills that you try and instill in your team uh, to really kind of help drive that transformation that really has a benefit across the organization and not just within your department? When you want to kind of expand to other people, uh, has to be in the mindset, you know, before you transform the tools and, and the techniques and, 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 and the approach, first the mindset, right? If people don't get it, they, they just go, they won't go alone, right? And as you know, change is difficult, especially uh, for people that have done it for a long time in a specific way, trying to introduce something new, it, it is difficult. Uh, but trying to make this fun, bring them in the design approach, uh, having a small wins, and just having people reproduce themselves—that has been a big change. And like in our case, we use many different approaches for this kind of transformation journey. The first one is we have a, a conference every year, so has been this has been already four years. So we have done so far three conferences. We just talk about analytics, and we bring executives and big thinkers, and and and. And, and, and people share, oh, look, look what we have, been, we have done with the use of analytics, right? So everyone being exposed to techniques, technologies, uh, business cases, that, that has been uh, one, perhaps one of the biggest ingredients. The second thing is uh, from the internal department, we actually uh, host or, or rotation people come from, from a rotational assignment for a month with us. And in these four weeks, we give them tools. They, they participate in, in all the meetings. Uh, they do some specific projects. That has been a transformation for that person. And that person goes back to the teams and just keep expanding and expanding and expanding. So that was another thing. Uh, the other thing that we did is we do a gamification. Um, as, as you know, there are always 40% of the people that love analytics. There is another 40% of the people that they are interested in analytics and potentially they will start using analytics in the future. Once the, once the first 40% start using it. And that's like 20% that they won't do anything no matter what, right? So as you can see, the biggest opportunity is with the second 40%. 
Uh, so we create a gamification and say, okay, we do these 20, 25 things in analytics. We get data, we create sponsorship, we do descriptive analytics, we, we do robotics, and we apply our data scientists with some, with, with some modeling. So we, we listed everything that we do in analytics and we create a game. Okay, okay, guys, every time that you do anything from this, you're, in your projects, you start accumulating points. That was a game changer because now we everyone start focusing in the things that we think we thought were, were important, and something magical happened the first year of that competition. And by the way, we we told them, "Hey, we won't be cheap. <laughs> it's going to be every quarter, and if you win, everyone gets a trophy. People love <laughs> trophies, even if you're in the twenty, thirties, or forties, you still love trophies." Uh, we say, "Hey, you take the afternoon off one of the Fridays." And you have a nice dinner, up to $100. So we were not wow. cheap. And something magical happened. The first four quarters, guess what? Four different people won the gamification, right? So, you know, the, 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 the expansion of, in the use of analytics was just amazing. And you mentioned there is no transformation unless that everyone benefits. That was a key for us, you know, make, make it a fun, work in the mindset, and then bringing people into our world so they can reproduce themselves in the use of analytics. This reminds me a lot of what we see at our Alteryx internal user groups and user groups in general. Analytics teams coming together and saying, hey, let's all get together for a lunch and learn or let's race to see who can solve the most weekly challenges on the Alteryx Academy this month. People really do tend to dislike change, but who's going to complain if you make it fun? Lesson learned is that the transformation is being done by the people. It's not by one person or one department. It's actually by the user. You know, the, the, the people that are actually benefiting from, from, from the transformation are the ones leading the revolution, so to speak. So having the actual end consumer uh, leading the analytics, that perhaps was the, the key uh, you know, to advance quickly. Yeah, definitely. And I, I wonder too, you know, having this kind of, like you said, this grassroots end user powered transformation. Um, what are some of the challenges that you've seen in really trying to either help kickstart this or have you seen any sort of resistance from end users or, you know, how do you kind of combat those challenges? Oh, very good question. You know, when you talk about challenges, typically there are three, right? What they call the three S's, right? The skills, the staff, and the sponsorship, right? So, in most cases, you have the skills because people really are, are you know, there's a lot of talent out there that people can do the, the job. You have the staff, you know, companies now, they have resources and they value the investment so, so that they have people. But the sponsorship, you know, uh, that's the most difficult thing to get, right? And without the sponsorship, you really cannot go the distance. So a few things that, that we, we are doing here is always recognizing uh, those uh, um, influencers, you know, the people that actually is going to, to help you in your journey and, and, and get there, right? So when, when I joined here, um, my boss told me, like, in my first day, say, what can I do to help you? He was just excellent leader. And I told him, you know, if you can put me in front of all the top executives of the company, of this company, that will go a long way. So he just sent an email to the 20 top executives and say, hey, guys, I just... Uh, hire an uh, analyst guy, his name is Manuel Coelho, uh, and he wants to set up 30 minutes with you to meet. So I set up 
the so my first month, what I did is set up a meeting with those twenty people, uh, and I I put a page together, uh, and shared it with them. Right, so I say hey, I have a dream, <laughs> kind of kind of. Uh, I don't have a plan, uh, but I have a dream, and, and we told them how we wanted to leverage data and analytics of technology, um, you know, to to go to the next level in terms of analytics, and how that sponsorship that was key, and half of them. They actually said, oh, I didn't realize the internal audit wasn't using analytics. Everyone is using it. You are just about to use it, right? So half of them, they, they were uh, surprised that we, that we were asking. And the other half was like, hey, whatever you need, don't send me an email. Just stop by or give me a call, even for the smallest detail. The sponsorship was incredible. And you know what? Once that you get that sponsorship from the top, everything is easy. Because when we get some pushbacks, either from a specific business or, or, or from a specific um, uh, business partner, uh, and we will have the data, you, you know, many different challenges, right? We could start with the data, the attention to the, uh, you know, trying to gather time or trying to, to, to follow up in certain things. As soon as we, we kind of hit a wall, we always said, okay, you know, sounds like uh, uh, we may need to tap into the executive to give us some resources, you know, and things happen, right? So that was key, right? And then you have the internal partners, right? The, the kind of the, the peers in, in your team and, and kind of keep them in the loop, kind of a, let's, 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 don't, let's start a movement together. It's not another initiative. It's not something that we knew. We do, we're doing something new. Let's start a movement together. Uh, you know, when you talk about the movement, people get excited because now they, they, they are part of that movement. Uh, and, and, and the gamification that I was sharing with you, that was key for us because that gave us data of who was using it. And once that we were able to quantify, we were able to do things in a scorecard and we have a dashboard that people can do, right? And I, 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 I use that input to share with the, all the leaders, you know, all my peers, all my fellow senior directors. And when I share with them, it is amazing because bring visibility and transparency in all the activity, and they are the ones driving the, the, the change. So, so the sponsorship is, is key. And one rule that we have uh, when we do specific projects is right up front, we go with the executive and say, we are planning to use uh, analytics for this, so we're going to need a lot of data, we're going to need a champion, uh, and we may need it to tap into your experience. And the rule that we have is if this person says no, that's it. We don't do anything. We don't do analytics. If we cannot get the sponsorship right up front, we just don't move a finger because we know we're going to fail, mm -hmm. right? The good news is in my four years here, I have not had a single case of an executive saying, no, Manuel, don't use analytics. That's done. No, no, not even one. Everyone, again, is very, 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 very useful, especially you bring them uh, up front. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and it's difficult, it's, it's painful, uh, it is uh, uncomfortable, but once you get the sponsorship, everything can, uh, um, kind of flows, flows through. And one thing that you pointed out when you went to the executives, um, when your boss, you know, pulled them all together and you said, I have this dream, but I don't really have a plan. I, I think that that's really important too, because in my experience, I feel, you know, if I have an idea and I bring it to somebody and I say, Hey, I want to do this. 
to your point, you know, people typically want to help you and they want to step up and, you know, provide whatever assistance or sponsorship that they can. Uh, so, you know, with your point of, you know, you've never had an exec tell you no, um, you know, don't use analytics. I think that very important to shed light on too. You know, a lot of people have great ideas, but they might not have the full plan yet because they need help formulating the plan or they know it's going to be um, this big organizational transformation or, you know, maybe it's going to light the fire to something bigger. And I think, you know, it's super important to speak up when you have an idea, um, you know, even if it seems too big for you to take on and maybe the execs will say, okay, yeah, do you take it on, you know, and you, you don't really have all that buy-in, but you know, then I think people will get excited for it and then they'll start allocating resources for it and let it kind of grow on its own and, you know, have it be this, like you said, grassroots end user type transformation that it just kind of bubbles into. Right. (laughs) So if you could point to any sort of failure that you've had? I know that might be kind of a tough question, but I'm curious, you know, if you've ever tried something and it didn't quite work out, um, you know, how did that, what was the thing that you tried out and, you know, how did you pivot and maybe turn it into a success? Good boy, I have many. <laughs> <laughs> Let me start with, uh, oh, I have so many failures, uh, especially early in my career. You know, the biggest one that I can point out and is still haunting me is, I really di- didn't understand the concept of value, uh, and that really um, hurt me uh, uh, in many different ways. And, and let me ask you, who defines value? Ooh, so I mean the end user. Um, exactly. Yeah. You got it. The end user, right? Or the, the person that we're doing the analytics for defines the value. And when we start partnering in any project, I was too hung up with the data or with the technology or, or how am I going to do these resources? The focus was never the value. And because of that, really, I did a lot of rework. I presented a lot of things that they were not wanting, what they didn't want. Uh, a lot of things I did that they were not used because I was always missing the mark. Uh, yeah, sometimes I got it right, but I wasn't like consistent performer because I didn't understand the value. And because I didn't understand the value, I honestly didn't get the recognition that, that I was, uh, I thought I deserved because I was just, I was just not generating the value, right? So um, halfway through, I learned my lesson because I wasn't promoted. I was bypassed for a promotion and that really hurt me. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the wake up. Say, okay, I need to learn what is, meaningful for the people that, that are receiving, the, the consumers of my analytics. And I became very obsessive to understanding, like, why are we doing? Why are you trying to do? And in some cases, I was able to deliver things that they didn't know they needed. But, but because I understood the value, I was delivering something that they didn't ask for, but they needed. They just didn't know that they needed it, right? Because I understood the value, you know, the, the concept of value. And, and a lot of iterations happen be, um, based on, on that concept of the value. The other kind of big failure that I had, and maybe it's linked with the value, is the delivery. You know, when you finish something, there are many ways that you can deliver your work product, right? You can just send an email, or you can have like a conference call, or you can put a PowerPoint presentation together. So I wasn't really putting too much effort in the package. Somehow I thought, the, the work that I performed was good enough. 
and that was sufficient. So when I shared with them, uh, whoever was the consumer, the focus wasn't in the value that they, that they wanted. The focus was in all the hard work that I did. And look how much work I put together and look what I did. So I lost my audience uh, in many different uh, delivery calls because I was focused on my own work. Hmm. And then I realized, you know what? These people don't care what I did. They only care about the piece of information that they are asking for that will generate the value, right? Those outliers, those insights, uh, those confirmation of the hypothesis, whatever I was doing the analytics for. And once I understood the value of what, the, what they're receiving, it was so easy to put everything together. Uh, so I got the, the analysis, I interpreted it, uh, I kind of identified the value, and I was able to put it in one page, uh, you know, in PowerPoint. Now I was using colors and visuals and very simplistic, in a very simplistic way, hey, this is what I found. And based on that kind of delivery, you know, the magic happened. You know, actions were taken, uh, um, uh, a, a lot of people saying, you know, how Im impactful was the work that we did, and everything was kind of derived from the value. The other thing that happened, I, I think I'm still kind of going back, linking to the value, mm -hmm. was because I identified the value I start sharing all the work that I did, all the value that I was able to deliver, right? So in my, you know, all of us have to justify our goals every year, right? Our performance, right? So that was easy to write because I was able to identify uh, the value, right? And so I, I think everything kind of boils down to understand the value. And once that you understand the value, can you adjust the work that you do to meet that value? Can you communicate and share all the value that you are generating and can you package it in a way that the end user will understand in a very simplistic way i think that that's really great advice uh, how do you translate that for somebody who might be a team of one and they are super overworked and they are um you know focused on the work because they're putting in so much effort um how do you translate you know focusing on the value when you know maybe they're frustrated or jaded about their job just because, you know, they are super overworked and maybe their organization hasn't necessarily bought into that transformation yet? Good question. Um, you know, it is difficult, right? Because now you have one person that is jack of all trades. Mm -hmm. The same person gets the data, you know, kind of clean up the data, maintains the data, performs the analytics, delivers the analytics, introduces all the new technologies. So it's a very overwhelming work, like you mentioned. Uh, the first thing that perhaps this person can do is have a very clear understanding of the expectations from the supervisors, from their boss, right? So they can be aligned, right? Because they define how we win, our bosses. So whatever whatever the supervisor expects, that's perhaps the best thing you can do, right? And, and once that you meet the expect, uh, you understand the expectations, you can come back with a transparent picture of the things that you can do with the resources that you have, uh, because we always need more resources, we always need more technology, we always need more funding, and either you increase resource, the resources that you need in order to meet those expectations, or you start saying no to some of the things that you needed, right? 
And one issue that we have when, when you have like a one-person show is that you have to be, you have to be very deliberate, very deliberate uh, in the things that you do because time is precious when you, when you only have uh, 40 hours of uh, quality work every week. You cannot do it all, right? So having that one. And the good thing is you can tap into all the resources, right? Like in, in our case, uh, we, have, we have interns, we have people at our college, uh, we have people offshore, we have people that kind of do a rotation with us. So there are many ways that you can get creative, right? And having that discussion with your boss to say, hey, this is what I want to do. This is what you expect me to do. That's all I can do. And the issue is, in most cases, the, the executives do not know what it takes to do an analytics. They don't know how difficult it is to connect to a, to, to a database from a system. They don't know how difficult it is to reconcile the data and clean it up and enrich the data and uh, how difficult it is to, to do the, the analytics. You know, sometimes it takes days, if not weeks, to perform one analytic, let alone uh, communicate it in an impactful way. So having the ability to quantify all the effort and quantify all the value and use that to, to get the funding, the resources uh, that you need, uh, I think is going to be key. Thanks for listening. For more on this episode, check out our show notes at community.altrix.com slash podcast. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and tell all your friends that this is your favorite podcast. If you have a success story on how you got buy-in and sponsorship from your team's leadership, tweet about it and use hashtag AlterEverythingPodcast to enlighten the rest of our listeners. Ooh, and spoiler alert, you're going to want to listen to our next episode coming out on March 3rd featuring the one and only Bing Shin Gao. If you don't know who she is, she's kind of a big deal. Uh, she was the first person to pass the Alteryx Certified Expert Exam. It's a super hard exam and only a few people have passed it, so stay tuned. <laughs>